you know, found his he next love. He just made $150 million, and you're saying he would be gold digging? <laughs> yeah, this is Patagonia we're talking about. Patagucci. You even said it yourself. <laughs> Fair um, From Alda, this is Protect Your Wild with Colin and Avinash. I'm Colin Campbell, and this week, I'll tell the story of a legendary person that shaped the way we experience the outdoors to Avinash, who will have to guess what happens next at key moments in this person's life. For every question he gets wrong, he's going to have to suffer the consequences. Avinash, this week we're going to start it out pretty basic. I'm going to make you take a shot for every question you get wrong. So what hard alcohols do you have on hand today? All right. Thanks for having me on, Colin. I love being on the show. Um, <laughs> I you looked won't. around the house and uh, I was like, all right, what, what kind of hard alcohols do I have? Uh, I have found some Baileys and I was like, wait, should I just drink Baileys straight? That's kind of delicious. Uh, Too easy. And then I found a peppermint twist Smirnoff vodka, <laughs> oh which gosh. just no nobody wants to drink even the holiday times. Like, Jesus. it's it's nearly full. Um, it's basically yeah, peppermint vodka, which oh is kind of shitty. Yeah, I don't that's, know. That's the kind of thing that makes me puke. I can't do flavored vodkas. Jesus Christ, this is so. Me gross. neither. I don't. I honestly don't know who invented flavored vodkas, but. They're a piece of shit. Um, it's like <laughs> just disgusting. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any special uh, shot glasses, or are you just gonna do a straight pull from the bottle? Um, I, I just have a generic cup glass. All so right. we'll see. Yeah. Sounds um, good. Yeah, nothing too fancy. So let's see how this goes down. Who's the uh, person well let's the legend that let's we're at the start i'm just gonna dive right in you'll find out that dive 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 right in all right let's go <laughs> i'm ready all right march 1943 in Coney, don't know how to pronounce it ohio two parents an antiques dealer and a decorator whose names couldn't be found birthed a strapping young lad by the name of douglas rainsford tompkins soon wow. after his birth. What an Ohio name, by the way. <laughs> so Ohio. <laughs> well, soon after his birth, uh, they actually packed up and moved to Millbrook, New York. It's a, a smaller town in the Hudson Valley, pretty much right between uh, the Big Apple, New York City, and Albany, New York. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's actually where they raised their son. He grew up in the outdoors, getting more involved with things like competitive skiing climbing and kayaking uh with the hopes of eventually becoming an olympic skier like he was legit he's competitive nice and this is during the 1940s and 50s right right yeah so he's born in 1943 so they had had nothing else to do colin (laughs) they had no (laughs) there's literally no internet there's no anything to do like what are you gonna do uh well i was skiing the other day so i decided to become a professional skier (laughs) like (laughs) figured i'd just get really really good um So he actually attended a prestigious boarding school in Connecticut, um, but he didn't. Use that board. (laughs) Use that board. Yeah, good one. That board. Um, So he didn't uh, really gel with their whole culture. You know, prestigious school. Things are all uptight, and ultimately, he actually got kicked out of high school for violating too many of the rules, and he never went back. Wow. 
What a badass. <laughs> yeah, quote, I wasn't great at heating authority. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> um, That's fair enough. Yeah. So uh, instead, he actually, at the age of 17, he headed out west to indulge more in the outdoors. Um, skiing in Colorado and South America even, even uh, in Europe. Uh, and ultimately, he never did get his high school diploma. Uh, but, you know, really, in this guy's life, that, that didn't seem to hold him back at all. So, so what do people call him? Douglas? Uh, he mostly goes by Doug. Doug. Okay, Doug. so we got this guy, Doug, from Ohio, who likes skiing so much. Yeah. So he moved away from Ohio and goes to New York. Yeah. And then... Moves out to Colorado because he just likes skiing so much. Yeah, he sounds well, like Forrest Gump. He's like, <laughs> I just want to ski. <laughs> so he, he wasn't exactly. I don't think he's like residing in Colorado, but he was just. He's kind of nomad out west, you know, not a digital nomad because that didn't exist. But um, so here's our first question: By 1963, Doug Tompkins, okay. a met his wife Susie hitchhiking to Lake Tahoe, which is in California. Uh, where he was actually chopping down trees for work. Or B, he founded the outdoor apparel brand North Face with his wife, Susie Russell. Or C, he first encountered his lifelong friend and Patagonia founder, Yvonne Chenard, climbing in Yosemite Valley. Ooh, okay. So, I'm gonna say Yosemite isn't... Is it near... Yeah, it's California side. It's California. Um, yeah, so he's in Colorado. I'm gonna bet that he meets Yvonne Chenard. Wrong. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, that's your right. wait, wait. We have losers. <laughs> oh my god, dude! All right, here's your first shot. That- and then I'll That's... tell you the correct answer once you uh, oh, choke oh. this fucking peppermint vodka down. Peppermint shit. Oh, God. Uh, I'm just really glad I'm on this side of it this time. This is so bad. Oh, God. Let's see how this fucking goes. Oh, my. Mm. It doesn't smell too Hey, great. hey, hey. Wait, wait, wait. You got to show me how much is in there. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it through the I, screen. Uh, I, can't, I can't quite tell. Is it like like is it a I full a, shot or is it like a half? I a did shot? a I did a Mississippi. I was like one Mississippi. All right, cool. All right, all right, all right. You, you can see it through the camera. Cheers. Yeah, no, I, there's, I there's a line. All right, here we go. Thumbs up. <laughs> okay, you know what it tastes like? What? Honestly, you ever drank mouthwash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because that the pepperminty like taste is it literally just tastes like I drank mouthwash. <laughs> that's that's not as bad as I would have guessed, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, good job on you. You're putting some hair on your chest now. Let's Dang. uh, so let's so along. what did Doug actually do? Did he meet his wife? Yeah, so actually, <laughs> Doug oh, met his wife Susie while he was <laughs> hitchhiking. Um. And yeah, I guess he's chopping down trees. It's really hard to find like accurate information on this type of stuff because I've seen, you know, all over the place. I, I saw slightly different versions of the same story, essentially. You yeah. know, you'll have the date off by a year, you know, or you'll have like a slightly different iteration of the story. But 
we we I, I dug in deep and I think we got it pretty accurate here. So, <clears throat> so yeah, nineteen sixty three. Doug Tompkins met his wife Susie hitchhiking to Lake Tahoe, California, where he was chopping down trees for work. And as you know, Lake Tahoe also a legendary place for skiing. Um, so it kind of adds up. Yeah, I have some friends who actually went there. Yeah, they liked beautiful. it. Um, so soon after, he married Susie at the age of just 21. He launched North Face as a mail-order retail brand, initially selling mountaineering and ski gear from other brands. So, you know, retail, they're not producing their own stuff yet. You send in an order via mail at the time, or they'd have a magazine, and um, they'd ship it to you. Back um, when magazines were still a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, back when people used it for porn. So... <laughs> this took uh, a $5,000 loan to get started. Uh, they slowly grew and eventually... A small loan of $5,000? Yeah, a small loan. I didn't do the conversion of what that would be in today's time. But, uh... Wait. Not like Trump's million, right? Right, exactly. So... It has not been easy for me. And, you know, I, I started off in Brooklyn. My father gave me a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah, so just like Trump. Um, oh, my God. Uh, that, that Trump soundboard of yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm liking it. Um, so, uh, yeah, a small loan of $5,000 to get this company off the ground. Um, they slowly grew and eventually launched their flagship store in North Beach, San Francisco, California. Nice. Yeah. Okay. At their initial launch party, they hired an emerging band by the name of The Grateful Dead. <laughs> this is literally just a few years after The Grateful Dead started. Um, nice. And we're in uh, Did they ever 1964 now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Deadheads and stuff. They still exist to this day in a sense. Or the the culture like lives on that they created pretty much. Oh, okay. Well, my roommates <laughs> is into that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. I just don't like tap into it it's kind of weird true yeah i mean it's not totally my cup of tea but hey i respect it and uh so they on top of this they utilized the legendary hell's angels to work the door in security so um you know they're pretty much a part of like a real like counterculture you know movement and scene in their day um wow hell's angels they're they're like proper badasses proper proper badasses so they were the bouncers, basically. Yeah, they were pretty much the bouncers, the door guys. Um, and, you know, I I imagine that's actually the picture that I sent you here. So I have a picture from that opening day of there's a man in a cowboy hat at a door and then another guy wearing a, a clearly labeled Hell's Angels um, vest. Don't ask why it's a vest. I think vests are dumb, but it's a vest. Um so yeah, it's legit, and uh, you know, I again imagine they never would have guessed forty years later after they founded this brand, it would be repped by sorority girls across the country, <laughs> including oh, uh, yeah. the University of Florida. Took a real turn from that counterculture start. Oh yeah, completely. They went right into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, anyways. Uh, in North Face's early days, they actually revolutionized the tent. Sounds simple enough. Uh, but when they began manufacturing their own pr products, they you know focused on something that could be like uh, immediately kind of a I don't know like a flagship product as well almost. So at the time, uh, tents were pretty much just uh, a surplus 
thing from the Vietnam War. Um, they're made of like heavy, thick canvas. Uh, they also depended on a pole like in the center to prop up and like make the space inside of the tent, which obviously this is problematic because that pole is like taking up space inside the tent itself. Um, it's, you know, not very uh, resilient for like high winds because think of the shape. If you just have like a pole in the middle and four points around it and the wind blows sideways, there's kind of like a concave shape up to that very central point where the pole is, right? So, uh, yeah, so it's just all around like a bad design. It's too heavy. Um, so is, North Face... Is this, is this the tents that you see that are like triangle-shaped? Uh, well, not like teepee triangle-shaped, but yes, like other types of triangle shapes. Like, like, a, like a triangular pyramid-ish looking. It, yeah, it, well, it would be a lot. I don't think there are really any that are used that are that style today um, because it's really oh. a poor design. But yeah, it would kind of be like a, a more triangular shape because you have one singular like point or like a clear point at the top. Um, so where am I? So yeah, North Face using uh, surplus parachute materials along with lightweight aluminum poles um, they engineered the classic tent design that we know today. Um, so that means like flexing the two poles kind of in an X shape across the top, right? You run yeah. it through the, the tent material and then you like put the ends of the poles into the corners in, in like kind of rivets that holds it in place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially this created more space on the inside of the tent. The wind was able to roll over it a lot more effectively, and this innovation is what really made like modern day backpacking possible. Um, so before you'd have to carry like a extremely heavy thing in comparison. Again, think about how thick canvas material is. Um, yeah, it's dense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's absurd. Uh, and that was actually again done with like surplus materials after the Vietnam War. So kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so they're, they're known, no, I never thought of North Face as the brand that d- does tents. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I've always thought of North Face as like the sorority girl jacket, uh, <laughs> or like, you, you know, the backpack that you kind of walk around campus with. Uh-huh. Um, but I never was like, yo, North Face is associated with tents specifically yeah they definitely evolved to be a lot more kind of like mainstream and some of their stuff like their gear got like less technical in a sense to make it a lot more i mean they still have don't get me wrong very technical gear like they have a summit series for like that they tested in antarctica with like alex honnold and a big team but um that that kind of move they did to be like more of a consumer brand is is really what kept them from going bankrupt at one point in their life so um yeah it was it was like a very smart business move although definitely kind of interesting because a lot of people like you they they don't really see north face as a brand like that yeah okay interesting and it's cool that like uh this guy named doug from ohio came up with this brand because he's just like really outdoorsy did he uh serve in the vietnam war or no no how did he come across the uh canvas stuff it was just surplus yeah so military surplus at the time like post-war was very popular you know my dad is uh seven years old and he would actually talk he was broke and he said they would get their clothes they would have you know like um 
It was basically their green or beige shirts that they'd get from the military surplus stores. Like it back in the day, I guess it used to be like a far more prevalent thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they just overproduce like crazy. Um, so uh, just a few years later, by 1968, uh, Doug had had enough and thought it was time to move on. Um, he was taking ski trips to South America uh, and still working. So, yeah, he, he decided to sell his stake in North Face to a man named Kenneth Klopp for $50,000. So that was 10 times that original investment. Um, and he used that investment to put it into his wife's new company called Esprit, which is spelled like a spirit. <laughs> Interesting name. Yeah. And you must really love this wife of his. Yeah. Well, it kind of like this brand kind of blew up, uh, I think, in the 70s and 80s. But, yeah, you know, such a nice husband. He believed in his wife's thing. Um, And, of course, as you know, North Face would eventually be a multi-billion dollar brand. (laughs) And um, right now it uh, is a part of a conglomerate called VF Corp. Uh, who also owns Vans, Timberland, Smartwool, and a bunch of other brands. They're like a, a legit, like, huge conglomerate. Um, and after I went balls deep into their 2019 financial report, I unfortunately could not find any further specifics that are interesting. But I did do deep research that came up in Hampton, just so you know. <laughs> um so they, they also now, you know, sponsor the likes of Alex Honnold, the, the star of Free Solo, um, the film of the, the man who climbs in Yosemite, thousands of feet with no ropes. And, uh, yeah, the only reason, you know, girls message me back on Tinder is because of Alex Honnold. So thank you for your service there, Alex. I, I really appreciate it. Um, can, can you explain to uh, our audience why? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I met Alex at a uh, at the outdoor retailer conference the first time I went and got a selfie with the dude. And yeah, so now when I get matches on Tinder and they're like, hey, is that Alex Honnold? I'm like, damn right, it's Alex Honnold. <laughs> they're not that interested <laughs> in me sometimes, you know, but got to get them in some way. <laughs> You're leeching off his clout. That, yeah. That's actually a really smart maneuver. Um, me over here in LA, I, I should probably use that tactic. <laughs> but I feel like LA people have just that the LA cool vibe where it's like, oh, celebrity, I don't really give a fuck. Like, just keep going on with my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but sure. I guess it's different in Boulder. <laughs> well, yeah. So here, I mean, it's like not everybody climbs, but everybody's fully aware of climbing and especially somebody like Alex Honnold. So somebody that's, you know, in the climbing community may not be that impressed or it's just like, oh, that's cool. But somebody that, like knows about climbing and knows how big he is, but doesn't isn't really in the community is gonna be like, holy shit, he won an Oscar. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that was pre-Oscar, Alex, too. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, just out of curiosity, then, um, is is climbing like uh, such a thing in Boulder where it's just like every person on their bio is just like, oh, I'm into climbing. Yeah, if somebody's into climbing, there's absolutely a picture of them climbing in their bio or snowboarding or skiing, you know, whatever the outdoor thing they do is. And if they don't have that, I'm not interested. So swipe left, wow. baby. 
would would you say ninety percent do though? Oh, it's not that. It's not ninety percent. It's pretty high. Oh. I would say. Yeah, I'd say like seventy five percent have a climbing or a skiing picture. That that's pretty pretty that's, high, dude. Yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to Doug. <laughs> so back to Doug. <laughs> uh, so soon after this huge life decision, Doug casually decided it's time for him to take six months off to go on an epic adventure with Patagonia founder Yvonne Chouinard and the lesser known nice. Dick Dorworth, who is a, a world class skier, a dude named Chris Jones who actually missed his train and their man, their planned meeting point. Think, again, is pre-cell phones and stuff. Um, oh, and shit. He, yeah, so he basically should forever be known as the ultimate flake. But, heroically, he intercepted them on the only road south. <laughs> so he basically was like, shit, I missed this spot because I'm missing a train. So I'm going to try to beat them down this road, and I'm just going to camp there until they pass me. And lucky for him, they, they happened to cross paths during the daytime. He was like, if it was nighttime and they didn't recognize me, they would have just kept on driving. I would have been fucked. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, and then, Old yeah. Old people this... back in that day just had some other type of balls. Like, I just, what the fuck? Yeah, like, I mean, these are 20 guys in their early, mid-20s who are true, true badass adventurers, man. So he just beat them and, and decided to camp out on the side of the road? Yeah, somehow or another, he's like, this is him? the one road south that they have to be on, so I'm just going to get my ass down there and uh, hope I beat them there and then <laughs> figure it out. Um, and so there's another guy, too, Lito Flores, they who mu- wasn't really mentioned much. They must be much, so but... surprised, though. Oh, yeah. It's it's a really cool like, moment. the fuck you doing here, bro? Yeah. <laughs> we- <laughs> Um, we left your ass behind, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. They apparently waited around for a few days. Um, and, yeah, so it was it was just crazy, just crazy. But uh, so this, this married man, Doug, would take six months to travel, um, what he said in the film, 18,000 miles in their van from San Francisco all the way to Patagonia, which is the southern tip of, like, Argentina and Chile area where they are hoping to summit um, Mount Fitzroy, which is like the highest peak in Patagonia. And it had only been climbed two times before them. Twice. Damn. Yeah, dude. I- I'm-, I'm more astounded at the- that journey, though. You know how long that it is? Like, that's a far fucking trip. Oh, it's crazy. They went all over. Um, we'll get- we're going to get a little bit more into it. Uh, but it's time for a second question. So... Oh, <laughs> Um, uh, this band of brothers had the coolest band-like name that there is. They like gave their little squad a nickname and it was, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, you got (laughs) to, right? So it was either a, the frogmen, B, the grizzly guys or C, the fun hogs. Okay. So it's probably not the frogmen because that's (laughs) that's what the, that's what seals call themselves. Um, and, like, that's, like, a Navy SEAL thing. So definitely not that. Maybe this um, was this pre-Navy SEALs? This is a long time ago, yeah. FYI. Um, I, I feel like after the Vietnam War, that's when the SEALs were, like, a thing, I think. I'm not too way, well-versed sorry. in, like, Continue. SEAL history. 
So so I'm going to eliminate that one. Now okay. now we're going into Grizzly and what's the other option? <laughs> the Fun Hogs. The Fun Hogs. Fuck, dude. Um, so the Fun Hogs sounds like a midlife crisis, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just sounds like, yeah, we're... We, you know, we're we're escaping to get away from our wives because they annoy the fuck out of us. Like, <laughs> let's go on a trip for six months. Well, keep in mind, they are in early 20s. And they're married? Uh, Doug's married. I think he might be the only married one, though. Dude, this makes so much sense. <laughs> if I was married in my 20s, I'd dip. <laughs> I'd dip like, for six See months. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm about to uh, leave for six months and kind of live my life, be a free spirit. Um, I'm going to go to the remotest place on this planet so you can't fucking follow me. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say it's not the hogs. I'm going to say it's the grizzlies. The grizzlies? Is that your final answer? No, it's the your grizzly final guys. Answer. Yeah. yeah, that's my final fucking answer. Are you ready? Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you serious? I had such good reasoning. Bottoms up, boy. (laughs) What was the right answer? I'll tell you after your shot. (laughs) Oh my god! Just hey, you're pouring that below the camera there. I need evidence. Evidence. All right, I see it. You're good. Shot number two: peppermint vodka, aka mouthwash. This is going to taste like ass. Oh, God. Actually, the opposite of ass. This is what you drink <laughs> Tastes after. like minty but whole. Down the hatch. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm dude, liking this, you know? Straight I'm, I'm vodka tr- shots is not a good idea. Oh, no. It sounds disgusting. I'm, I'm really glad I'm not doing it. <laughs> so the answer was actually C, the fun hogs. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I was really hoping it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually have a, a really cool photo from the. You read these here. questions really well, by the way. <laughs> good, good. You rig them so so that, like, just my psychology would, you know. Oh, you're trying to, like, not... pick out in my voice, like, what the right answer is? Well, no, no, no. Like, the reasoning behind them. Oh, I, oh, I felt oh. like the hog thing is mostly, like, 40-year-old guys. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. They're in, like, the fucking 60s and... You know, shit's weird, but uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I actually have a sweet uh, photo from their little adventure, um, and it is their sweet van. That's kind of like a VW style van. They got their two surfboards racked up on top. It's the four men uh, on the left, I believe, is Doug Tompkins. Next to him is the shorter Yvonne Chenard. And then the two other dudes to the right of him. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a, a blog post with this whole pretty much podcast telling the story of Doug Tompkins. It's going to have all these cool photos and everything for you to check out there. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> nice. But yeah, it's pretty cool to see like just like photos from such a, I don't know, like legendary adventure. And it says like in the thing, it says Patagonia Wasn't Historical Archives. Yeah, it's black and white. That's how you know it's dope. See, yeah. like nowadays, like I don't know. Check you don't out get my taquito picture. <laughs> yeah, like I, I snap like at least five pics a day. You right. know, it's yeah. always going on my Snapchat or some other dumb shit like um, Instagram stories. Like 
and, and the photo quality is just amazing. So you can't like ever, you know, record a historic event. It doesn't yeah. feel historic. You it's know what I mean? It's not grainy enough. You need to put a grainy filter on it. <laughs> exactly. Like, what about nowadays? Like, you, you take a photo with your buddies and whatever. You're like, oh, I don't know. Let's take another one. Or, you know, it, there's so much le- like that the standards are so much higher. Right. Also, the poses. Like, back <laughs> oh then, God. everyone just just line up, pop a photo, done. Now, there's everyone's nothing. like, yo, what do I do with my hands? What do yeah. I do this? Blah, blah. It's like, oh, fuck. I just hate the duck lips and the girls with the arched backs to make their booties stick out. Like, come on now. It drives me nuts. Anyway, so in that picture, it's just crazy to think that two men out of, like, the four main guys on this trip founded billion-dollar companies. (laughs) It's just crazy. Yeah. Two Uh, billionaires. Where, where where's your uh what's your where's your uh, soundboard because uh, I smell smell a collusion. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got some good money ones. Let's see what we got here. Um. I'm really rich. <laughs> yeah, they're really rich. Yeah. So basically, um, I, I think something funky went on. They're both like, yo, like let's found some really fucking good outdoor companies. Yeah. Boom. Well, yeah, Yvonne's, I mean, we're going to do, like, another more in-depth episode on him. We've done him in the past, but, you know, he started, he's a blacksmith, dude. He's just making climbing gear. That's what he did. He's like, I climb, let me make some climbing gear. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's get back to old Doug here. So these fun hogs headed south, packing their van. I said fan in the document because I'm an idiot. Their van to the brim with surfboards, climbing gear, ski gear. And just fucking sending it everywhere they went along the way, dude. Um, so Doug would film this trip in hopes of launching uh, a career as an adventure film creator. And uh, the trip was, like, really pivotal in his life. Um, it kind of reconnected him uh, back again, like, even deeper than before with the outdoors that he loved and respected so much. Um, they surfed in Mexico and down the coast. They ultimately sold their boards in Peru, and then they skied in South America. Yvonne wasn't really a skier. He learned to ski, like, doing backcountry shit out there. Um, and, yeah, and, and, like, a thrilling conclusion to this story, they did what they set out to do. They made a first ascent uh, of Mount Fitzroy on the path that they had traced out that they basically called like, Oh shit. Did I not write this in the document It's basically called like California boys or something like that. Oh, um, sick. Yeah. So they, I mean, I like a task like this sounds, uh, kind of easy for us. And in the modern day, because it's just like, Oh yeah, just drive all the way down there and do fun shit on the way, like a travel influencer. Right. But think, think about doing what they did. Um, in that time with no internet, you have to oh, use yeah. old fashioned fucking maps. Think no tech, Imagine. no phones and no money. Like Doug was the only one of this group that had like legit money. So as they're going down, they're just like running married. out of money. He had a wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His wife would be like, you spent how much on what? Yeah. And did credit cards <laughs> exist then? I don't even think credit cards existed. I don't know. I'm also uh, an idiot. So I, might, uh, I don't know if it was credit cards. I think you get credit from a bank uh, or like a loan. Yeah, but I, I mean, don't know if you like got a credit card. Probably having yeah. to use like cash and exchange money everywhere, every country along the way and stuff. And not just like today, you could just swipe a credit card or go to the ATM. Easy peasy. Um, yeah. 
I mean, they could have the uh, good old travel influencer, rich parents move. <laughs> um, I, I love that. It's like, yo, where do you get all this money to travel to all these like great hotels and all this nice shit? It's like, oh, I have rich parents. <laughs> it's like, oh, neat. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> a part of this, they even spent like a, a legendary, like estimated 20 days in an ice cave. Uh, to keep them protected from the elements. So as they're climbing this mountain, sure. um, they have to. Well, it's on film. <laughs> so, oh my god! Yeah, so they had to. <laughs> uh, they had like you know you have like base camps right for any kind of mountaineering thing. So they had their second base camp where they dug out you know an ice cave and they said apparently there's a crevasse below them. So they'd have to periodically like pull some more snow and like pack it into this crevasse that's like at their feet. Um, and a huge snowstorm just blowed in. So they're like, all right, let's try to wait it out. And they're waiting and waiting and their food supply is going down. And anyway, so it's, I mean, it's just crazy. Um, I, I really can't do the story justice. I, I beg you to go watch the documentary for yourselves. Um, in 2019, Patagonia posted it to their YouTube channel. So we're going to link you that in the, the description. It was, I, I watched it the other night or like in prep for this and it's, it's fucking awesome, man. It's just old badass dudes doing cool adventure stuff and some, you know, cool time period music. <clears throat> and uh, damn. And then I got a picture here from their summit. So they <laughs> I think Doug's wife made a flag for them that said "Viva los uh, Fun Hogs," and then it says like Patagonia, and there's the three men and then the photographer behind the camera. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, you just got to watch the documentary. I just don't want to give away or like talk too much bullshit about it because just watch the documentary. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. These are, I mean, these guys are the real deal, man. So, um, well, upon his return, uh, Doug would get deeply involved with Esprit. Uh, you remember that company that his wife founded? Oh, and Yeah. This actually took off and became a global fashion phenomenon in the late 70s and early 80s, making over $800 million in sales by 1986. Um, crazy. Like, the success yeah. that this guy's involved in is insane. Um, and Doug, He left for six months. Huh? Yeah, he even left. Well, he left for six months, but they were, I mean, keep in mind, that trip was in the, the 60s, and this company is running well into the 80s. 86 so mm-hmm. you know six months out okay. of like 20 years or so not 20 years but oh yeah. yeah yeah so um anyway uh yeah doug Tompkins was a crucial piece in the founding of two billion dollar companies both started when he was in his 20s that's just unheard of like how insane is that um and this wasn't back in the days when you're like you know, like Jeff Bezos starts Amazon, Amazon gets big, and then he buys another massive company like Whole Foods. No, 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 no. He was from the ground level a part of two multi-billion-dollar companies. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, uh, so his interest in the industry began to sour kind of over time as he realized more and more how deeply it hurt the environment that he loved so much. So even in the, they would try to incorporate sustainable practices and such, but um, he still realized the impact that it was having and he, it just got old on him. Um, 
He had like a real change of heart, supposedly, after reading this book uh, by George Sessions and Bill Duvall um, called Deep Ecology, Living as If Nature Mattered. Um, so we're going to have a link to that book as well in the notes and in the blog post. Um, Sick. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to read it myself. I'll for sure be checking that out. Like a book that deeply changed this guy that had already done so much outdoors and so many things and it turned his world around and said like shit i really got to make a difference here you know mm. interesting um, yeah yeah so he said quote within the few hours that it took to read the book i experienced a powerful epiphany everything suddenly made sense the book offered a new vision of how things got the way they were combine the activism of david brower uh, my environmental hero uh founder of friends of the earth with the insight of Robinson Jeffers, my poet hero. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading this myself and I definitely recommend you guys do too. Sick. Sounds like a fun book. Yeah. Yeah. Life changing. Um, so just a few years later in 1989, the powerhouse couple would get divorced. Uh, Doug sold his shares of Esprit. I guess. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually tragic. Imagine like selling your whole company to give to your wife basically and then divorcing her. Well, I think it was like kind of wrapped up in the same thing, you know? It's like bundled together. Like he was also kind of done with her <laughs> and the company. Um, Wait, how many years after his big old trip? that happened let's see so 1989 was when they got divorced and the trip was in um let's see did i really not put the year of the trip down the year the trip was like in the 19 mid 1960s um oh okay okay okay. yeah so i mean it was a it was a long it was a good run they raised kids you know They had a family. They made a billion dollars. So, yeah, he he sold the shares of Esprit for a reported $150 million um, and packed up his shit and moved to question number three. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. A, moved to southern Chile and started the Foundation for Deep Ecology. B, Mm Moved to Argentina, home of Patagonia, where his legendary trip ended uh, with the Fun Hogs. Or C, he moved to Ventura, California, where he joined his soon-to-be wife, numero dos, Christine McDivitt, uh, who is a former CEO of Patagucci. Wow, those are some three options. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some three options for you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, so about this guy right um would you just fuck off after your divorce and be like yo let's go to chile or argentina or would you find another girl who happens to be your friend's (laughs) ex-wife no no no, uh not friend's ex-wife he's just she's a a friend of yvonne chenard or was oh oh oh. she's a friend of yvonne chenard And she's also CEO of Patagonia. Yeah, I believe she was still CEO at that time. Or, or no, 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 sorry. She was the CEO. She's a former CEO. Yeah, 
She's the CEO of 20 years of Patagonia. All right, all right. So looking at Doug and his whole life uh, story, Ohio man Doug, who started North Face. Raised in New York. Um, ooh, yeah, you grew up in New York. Yeah, keep in mind, they moved to, he's more so a New York man than an Ohio man, I'd say. But anyway. Oh, okay. This changes things entirely. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, so would it be just gold digging if he just jumped over to Ventura and, you know, found his he next love? He just made $150 million and you're saying he would be gold digging? <laughs> yeah, this is Patagonia we're talking about. Patagucci. You even said it yourself. <laughs> Fair um, so, um, would he combine North Face and Patagucci into one thing? Um, I'm not sure. Um, now the Argentina versus Chile thing. I'm trying to think. Argentina has some really good things there. Um, models, <laughs> mountains, um, models, and, and mountains. Obama. I don't know what else there is there. Um, but I'm I'm gonna say maybe Chile because it's just a real crapshoot right there, and it it just sounds like a Doug move. Sounds like a Doug move. His answer is Chile. So I'll read the full <laughs> thing. Hold on. Moved to Southern Chile and started the Foundation for Deep Ecology. Wait, why isn't this working? God damn it! Come on, Trump soundboard. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, it's right. Wait, the Trump right? soundboard is oh, failing, right. okay. but you got it right. <laughs> you got right, it right. So I definitely want no shot for me, thank God. Uh, yeah, so what is that? Two out of, is that the fourth question? I think that was the third. The third question, okay. So we're going to have five total, but... Uh, um, I've been spared this round, thank goodness. Why isn't it working? Oh, well. Sorry, Trump soundboard. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Doug moved to Southern Chile and started the Foundation for Deep Ecology. Um, so Chris, short for Christine, befriended a 15-year-old, Yvonne Chenard, that ultimately led to her being the CEO of Patagonia for over 20 years. Um, she grew up in Southern California and happened to actually be the daughter of a big oil industry guy, uh, but she really stuck it to her pops. And uh, when her and y Yvonne revolutionized sustainability in the outdoor apparel industry. So good on her, Christine, Chris. <clears throat> That's pretty sick. Yeah, pretty sick. And you can probably see why her and Doug would make a good pair. So anyways, yeah. when Doug and Chris uh, united in Chile, they put their fortunes together uh, and put them to use and began buying up land for conservation just left and right all over the place but like very beautiful, pristine plots of land. Um, <clears throat> real estate. Real, free real estate. Free real estate. Um, <laughs> this uh, was done through the Conservation Land Trust that he founded in 1992. They spent millions upon millions on some of the most beautiful lands in southern Chile and Argentina, which raised a lot of suspicion from the locals you know, imagine you're like a small farmer in southern Chile and these two American millionaires come in and just start buying up land all around you, right? <clears throat> so 
they were nicknamed the couple that cut Chile in half. And there were rumors just all around about what they were doing. Like sex. <laughs> they might have been <laughs> sexing it up, baby. Um, oh, my God. On all that land. Get it, Doug. <clears throat> um, so, uh, yeah, some of the rumors are kind of crazy. Um, some people believe that they were creating a new Jewish state. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, that's kind of out there. Um, some thought it might be even a nuclear waste site for the U.S. They might have been buying it up possibly for a gold mine. Um, or they're actually Argentinian spies, uh, posing as Americans. Um, some even thought they were working to replace local cows with bison. Like, like what? This is pre Alex Jones, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's the Alex Jones of Chile that just, the frogs are gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like absolute, like who comes up with some of these conspiracy theories? Like this is horseshit. And this is before the internet, too. Yeah, this is pre-internet. How did this get around? Um, but yeah, like crazy back bison. then, too. Right. Uh, so, I mean, either way, though, um, you know, the power couple paid little mind to all these rumors. They were on a mission, you know. It's all nonsense. Um, ultimately, they stayed true to their word, and they donated all the land that they bought off privately back to the people so that it could be forever preserved you know, for their enjoyment and, and not be utilized by big corporations, um, rather than utilized, exploited rather, um, and destroyed. So, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible thing that they're able to accomplish in their time down there. Um, so Doug was also having a blast while he was, he was living in South America. He completed a reported, 21 first descents of rivers throughout the backcountry in his kayak. So like whitewater rafting in the kayak down these, you know, sick rivers in Chile and Argentina, just still a badass, you know, badass as fuck. Yeah. Um, and before they knew it, uh, Doug and Chris became the largest individual owners of protected land in the world to the sound of 2.5 million acres of land. Truly a monumental feat uh, requiring a vast majority of their wealth, um, about $375 million in total that they invested in this. It's honestly really smart. Like, once you get to a certain stage of, like, wealth, right, does it really fucking matter? Like, do you need two Lamborghinis? Yeah. Well, you? some, you know, yeah. while, while some bitches are climbing the corporate ladder, Doug's climbing fucking mountains, you know? Who's living the better life? Who made a bigger impact on the world? Doug did. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, buying a big house and all that, like, what's that for, you know? At least these guys left behind, like, a good legacy and, like, they had good intentions. They did good with it versus just, you know, wasting their money to flex on social media or just yeah. whatever, you know. Check out my uh, private jet. I mean, Doug flew like a little plane around South America, you know, but he wasn't like buying a private jet, which they easily could have. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a huge difference. Exactly. And I, I think it, it speaks to, you know, their character and uh, the type of person, you know, mm-hmm. you, be, you become when you have a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I mean, think about the times on those adventures and stuff. He knew he knows what it's like to be poor, 
and he knows what it's like to get like deeply impactful experiences from life. And, you know, he wasn't looking to like escape discomfort just using his wealth. He was like just looking to, to make the world a better place and, and keep doing what he loves down there. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So uh, does he move out of Chile at any point? Uh, no, he, I mean, he pretty much lives his life down there. So, um, that, that's their new home. And so Doug's leadership and involvement in this project was, it was deeply respected by his team. Um, it was said that there was no detail that was too small to warrant some of his attention or thoughts. And, you know, it was, it was clearly just a passion project for him. Um, yeah. So. Now we got our next question, number four. December 8th, 2015, Douglas Tompkins, A, passed away from a fatal fall taken while on a rather tame climbing trip with his buddy, Yvonne Chouinard, in South America. B, died of hypothermia after his kayak was capsized on a kayaking trip with his buddy, Yvonne Chouinard, and some other friends or C he died on one of his typical solo kayaking trips in the back country of Chile from drowning. That's a very somber question. Um, yeah. So he, he did die unfortunately, but how did he die in his bed quietly, nicely, peacefully with his wife? I don't know. A guy like Doug, no way, Jose. Doug's yeah, a badass. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't believe badasses can ever die in their bed. <laughs> I um, hope not. That, 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 that should be a fact. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I don't think he would have died climbing. Um, the reason I say that is because climbing is very skill-based, and unless like a rock falls from like above um, – there's hardly any way you could like die from it. You know what I mean? The equipment failure, but he's with the guy like Yvonne Chouinard, um, who probably blacksmith the best gear to climb with. <laughs> well, they're um, probably using more modern stuff than his handmade gear these days, you know? Yeah. But even still, you're, you're with one of the guys who basically made black diamond and Patagonia shit. Um, yeah. So his stuff was probably like mithril probably had like, you know, glows when enemies are near, um, kind of carabiners. Um, like what so, is the Lord of the Rings knife? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Sting. Um, Sting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, so I, I'm going to say it's, it wasn't the climbing. I'm, if you want me to repeat I, any of them too, just let me know. Oh, okay. So option number two was hypothermia from a kayaking. Right, so number two, died of hypothermia after flipping a kayak on rough waters on a trip with Yvonne Chouinard and other friends. Ooh, okay. Um, and then the third option is him solo kayaking. Third was solo kayaking in the back country of Chile and drowned. Back country of Chile. Okay, so the reason I don't want to go with solo kayaking because it doesn't sound like Doug. It doesn't. He did 21 like, first descents. 
Those were solo um, trips, by the way. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I feel like as you get older in life, you, you kind of want to hang out with your buddies and, like, you know, reminisce in the old days, be it with the fun hogs. So I'm <laughs> going to go with the second one and say he died alongside, or not alongside, but, like, uh, you know, he might yeah, have gone. Yvonne Chouinard is alive, people. Don't, don't fret. Oh, yeah. But um, that, that is very unfortunate. Um, yeah. So final but answer I'm, is B? Yeah, I'm going to go with the second option. Damn it. Fuck you, Trump. My mind's not working. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I can get this working before I give it away. I don't know if it's wrong or right. <laughs> Good. My, Let my, the tension <laughs> build. It's Let building. the tension build. That's right. <laughs> oh shit! He yes. nailed it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, great. Great. He died of hypothermia. Awesome. Oh no 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 no! I didn't mean it like <laughs> I'm that. Kidding, I'm no. <laughs> um, so here's the story. Uh, at the age of seventy-two, Douglas Rainford Tompkins ventured out with a small group of some of his close friends for the last time. Tompkins, alongside Yvonne Chouinard and others, got caught in high winds while kayaking on Lago General Serrera, which is a lake uh, on the border of Argentina and Chile. Um, the, the heavy winds there created waves said to be uh, up to nine feet tall, which seems crazy to me. Um, like That might be a little bit of a tall tale there. Um, but it, anyway, hey, it was, I can believe you know, nine feet tall. Like that that seems crazy just from wind on a lake, you know, but I don't um, know. Yeah. I mean, if it was stormy outside, like that's, that's doable. Well, I don't think it was stormy per se because they're out kayaking, you know? Uh, but anyway, um, so this ultimately overturned their kayaks. Um, the others, uh, were made it back to shore, but he and his, his partner, um, were, uh, further out in the middle of the ocean, and they got airlifted out of the lake by the Chilean Navy, um, but ultimately he passed soon after of severe hypothermia. Um, the world lost a true warden of the wild that day. Doug Tompkins embraced the world and its people with open arms and lived life to the fullest until the very day he passed. Um, yeah. Mad respect to that guy. He's he's a good guy. Mad respect. So his legacy includes a multi-billion dollar brand, North Face, that's driven by its environmental ethics, Uh, his conservation land trust that has helped create 10 million acres of protected lands, and five national parks are part of that, including, I'm going to butcher all these pronunciations probably, but Monte Leon National Park, Corvocado National Park, uh, Corcovado, sorry, Corcovado National Park, Yendigay National Park, El Rincón, El Impenetrable, Impenetrable <laughs> National Park in Argentina. So um, luckily the government built off of the 2.5 million acres that they personally purchased and preserved and turned it into 10 million acres and established five national parks, dude. That's crazy. He wasn't like a president or anything, dude. He was a privately, him and his wife, Chris, were privately wealthy individuals that loved nature and they saw a big opportunity and they helped protect one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah, that's 
pretty impressive, <clears throat> I think. But it, it kind of reminds me of uh, like the the Batman superpower. It's like, yo, what's your superpower? I'm rich. Rich bitch. Uh, <laughs> like that. That's. Uh, I, I don't want to say like money can change the world, but damn, like money can definitely change the world and do a lot. Like that's that's what you know gets the world going, I guess, or makes things happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know shitty to say, but it literally just takes money. Yeah, that's that's why I went into uh, business and not politics that try to change the world. Um, so I have this last picture here. It's a nice picture of Doug on what looks like to be a lake in a kayak where he's right at home. Um, <clears throat> so that's the story of Doug, man. We got one last review question for you. This one nice. will be free response. See if you can get it right. You've avoided two out of four shots so far, right? So you've run 50-50. Yeah. So this will be the tiebreaker. Yeah, uh, let's do this, actually. So about how much distance did the fun hogs travel in their Mountain of Storms trip? Fuck. And this is for your response? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. right. Can we have a leeway of 1,000 miles? That's pretty far. <laughs> that that is. Fine. Yeah, but like they Fine. travel, they travel a fuckload, right? I mean, I uh, only said it verbatim in the thing. You did. I said it. Of course, I said it. It's a review question. Oh shit. Um. I mean, I want to say no because I want to see you suffer some more. But uh. Okay. Okay. No, okay, fuck okay, you. Right. You have to get the right answer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I've changed my mind. All right. <laughs> Change my mind. All right. Um. This is protect so, your wild, not protect your soft, mushy body. All right, all right, all right, fine. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some like basic math here, okay. right? Uh, check check my intelligence out. All right. It's like an interview. I'm gonna question. say, <laughs> I, I know, I know, uh, sir. Uh, I'd like like this job because uh, I can tell you the distance between San Francisco and the tip of Argentina. Um, so I'm going to say since San Francisco to L.A. is about 300 miles, I think. Actually, I don't know if I'm correct on that. Fuck. Um. Well, do you even know if it's talking about from San Fran to Chile or yeah. they no, probably sure had detours? They oh, might, shit, it might have right. included their way back up north, too. Okay, okay. So I'm going to say... If you're starting uh, with math, you're probably going to blow it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you're trying to like work right, it right. out in your head, you're probably going to blow I, it. I, I am. I'm, I'm really good at this. Trust me. Um, I can guess I can guess marbles in a jar really well. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna it's like the same and, thing. Guess yeah, it's bit, basically like... Trip. Um, so, so Gainesville to Orlando is two, two hours, Jesus and Christ. that was like almost 200 miles. So I'm assuming it's about 13,000 miles. Is that correct? Nope. Uh, they said and this is like a quote from the audio of the thing he said doug tompkins they're asking him like why would somebody or he was like saying to himself rhetorically like people ask me why would a guy with a wife and kids take an eighteen thousand mile trip (laughs) yeah so that was the amount i was kind of close yeah yeah sure (laughs) if you say so just Five thousand miles off. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, sure, sure, you were 
Sure, you were. <clears throat> I, th- I think I did some good math there. I, I didn't. I didn't include a vertical elevation, so I think that that, that threw off my uh, calculations. Right. Yeah, Somewhere in there. Of... Yeah. Yeah. No. No. It, like I, I'm. I'm sure if we counted vertical escalation and uh, the uh, escalation. Uh, <laughs> does that mean I have to take a shot of mouthwash? <laughs> Fuck. We have losers. We have losers. Oh. <laughs> wow. I guess I'm that loser. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, three out of five isn't too bad. Yeah, I guess. It's not great either. It's not great, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. <sighs> I like how the bottom looks like a candy cane. Oh, it does? Yeah, because candy canes are like spiraled like that, red and white. Oh, 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 like the bottom of the bottle? Yeah, like the design, like candy, not the bottom. Oh, the bottle itself. Oh, oh, yes. Jesus Christ. It actually, it's actually a scented wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Bottoms up, big boy. Hmm. <laughs> that's not good <sighs> so uh so what do you think of the story dude what do you think of doug um doug is a badass i, I like him um he, he just seemed initially you know it seemed like yo, know some normal ohio guy um you know just generic old doug who likes skiing um but then his life just takes a turn and becomes suddenly like epic, you know. He's just like average Joe, jobs Luke at a high school, and then goes on an adventure. Yeah, he's kind of like, yo, I'm tired of sitting here doing nothing uh, and bumfuck nowhere between New York and you know Albany, I guess. Um, so he's like, all right, let's let's go do fun shit with the founder of fucking Patagonia, yeah. um, <laughs> and let's call ourselves Fun Hogs. Um, and I think Dude, I bet honestly, they had some like, fun with their hogs in that ice cave, if you know what I mean. Oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> um, just shit. I had to lean into the mic for that one. That was dirty. Oh, gross. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't think they did that. Um, <laughs> Dude, like twenty days, I sure would have. I'm just saying. Just saying. Just being honest here. Well, just we're not going on ice ice cave trips, Colin. Um, That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Remind me not to share a tent with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can handle a couple nights here and there, you know. Uh, all right, all right, all right. That's fair. Um, but anyway, um, but, you know, I, I think he's really impressive, and his story is pretty cool. Um, I, I really like that he took it like a massive trip for six months. Uh, I think that's honestly the part that was like kind of uh, with a family, yeah, yeah, like. Who just says, ah, I'm just going to fuck off for six months. Like, <laughs> I want to. And who's a, like, his wife was okay with that, too. Honestly, yeah. like. They did get divorced eventually. I I, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it, it creates some it, underlying resentment that built up over time, but, you know. No, but for that day and age, like, think yeah. about it. You can't FaceTime. You can't call. Yeah. Like, all you you're doing die. is sending postcards. You could have been dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, for, for all she knows, like. She just gets postcards every once in a while and is like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's when postcards were still a thing. I actually really like the idea of postcards. Um, 
I just don't know why it like died out. Actually, I do know why it died out because we have phones. Takes but. too much time. It's wasteful. You have to do an errand while you're abroad. Who wants to do an errand and go to the post office while you're in Chile? <laughs> I mean, that's that's also a great way to, like, organically explore. It's not, like, a very, like, bottled version of traveling. Mm-hmm. And, and I think traveling back then um, was actually a more authentic traveling experience yeah. versus... You're forced to interact. Now you can just get yeah. on your phone. Where are the best restaurants? Yelp. Thanks. Yeah. And, and not only that, like, I also think American culture has spread so much and kind of homogenized travel experience, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure so in like, cities, yeah. Yeah, and you'll find a lot of people or a lot of, like, destinations will have, like, a touristy kind of feel with their, like, souvenirs and, like, other junk that they'll sell you. Um, so I, I think for me, the, the part that stood out was definitely their, like, trip because back in that day and age, traveling or doing any of these feats um it's just so arduous and like uh it it was actually a very proper achievement not saying like guys like colin o'brady or anything like that didn't do anything major like that guy crossed antarctica but like he's had like modern day you know equipment and modern day conveniences and shit so like if he was in trouble i'm pretty sure he had disgrace like uh beacon or something you could have probably old school adventures they like die if they get into trouble they're done yeah, like the the risk he was taking was literally life and death, and he had something to live for. So um, I definitely think that took a lot of courage, um, and that's pretty ballsy. So um, props him for that, and also for like just being so good to the environment, buying up all that land, uh, being a re- responsible, rich guy. Yeah. I, I feel like you don't yeah. see enough of that um, nowadays. We just got guys like Bilzerian running around, like, "Yo, check my jet out! Look yeah. at all these models on my yacht." Um, I mean, and not like saying Bezos, like, yeah, I'll donate a million Australian dollars to, uh, to the wildfires, which apparently is what he makes in like 16 minutes or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like if he actually like, you know, wanted to, he could, he could, you know, buy up a lot of, you know, other resources and just like put out the fires himself. Um, but I'll report back on the Australia situation. Uh, <laughs> we'll see that, uh, firsthand. So yeah. But yeah anyway, true. Um, the other thing that I really like about Doug is um, just like his legacy still lives on. Uh, um, I, I, I think even though North Face is not the brand that's like associated with uh, camping and tents, or um, I, I will say it's kind of like an outdoor brand, but it's nowadays it's more like well if you're here uh, it's a hundred percent an outdoor brand i think you have a very interesting perspective because of like florida and la versus like out in the mountain any mountain towns yeah so like uh, in in the cities that i i've you know experienced um your like uniform especially as a college student is basically a north face jacket (laughs) uh and and it depends like even your backpack might be an Osprey backpack or a North Face backpack. It's one of the two. Um, and then the other thing is like the Patagonia vest. Like fucking Wall Street runs right. on that shit now. Yeah. Uh, but like those are outdoor brands. And I, I think what's happening is uh, the fake outdoorsy movement is really <laughs> um, permeating with them. Yeah. But I mean, so, so the reason I'm okay with it is because these are people with money, right? And they're the ones buying the shit that supports 
good efforts, right? Right. So I don't think it's in vain. Um, yeah, it's not a it, bad thing. Yeah, so so as long as North Face survives, I think Doug's legacy survives. And as long as North Face uh, continues to contribute towards good causes and everything, um, I think it's a great way to, you know, um, honor his memory. Um, does, does, does he have any, like, other organizations or anything? Yeah, I mean, he has his nonprofit. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so we have this list of... Uh, kind of action items for you here so obviously if you're listening to this you probably love the outdoors and are probably interested in some of the shit that like really impacted doug's life so or you really love us that that's also an option too yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah first off again watch that documentary mountain of storms we're going to link to it in the description and in the the blog post of doug's story that's going to follow this please read uh, deep ecology living as if nature mattered i for sure am going to be checking that out very soon uh once i finish the current book i'm reading and support uh tompkins Conf- conservation it's like the umbrella organization now that um kind of donates or like i guess is like the financial arm or whatever of the more boots on the ground organizations that he also founded that were mentioned earlier but uh, we will have a donation link directly to that. Um, so keep in mind, his wife, Chris, is still alive and still um, out there aiming to fulfill the the missions and the, the continuing goals of this organization. Their, their job's not done yet, um, and they need your help. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. So, so um, if you liked this episode and uh, storytelling kind of uh, format, um, make sure you kind of, uh, drop us a like, subscribe, uh, review really helps us. So yeah, links will be in the description and, uh, make sure you also check out our Instagram page. We have funny stuff on there. Uh, I know Colin loves posting really cool animal memes and jokes. I posted Um, a big elephant shitting on a baby elephant the other day, just to let you know the kind of content. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're signing you're you're signing up for uh, some rides, uh, yeah. but it's it's entertaining. Uh, I love seeing those posts. Um, and as long as you you know uh, help us, we'll keep giving you guys good content. Um, and we appreciate all your support. Um, and reviews help us a shitload. So if you do have a spare minute or two, give us some uh, you know stars and tell us why. Um, it helps other people discover us and you know, recognize what we do. Um, and finally, um, I don't know if I'm forgetting something. Protect your wild. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway. Yep. <laughs>